Hi, friends. How are we doing today? Thanks for coming to church. Thanks to those of you who are joining us online. Today we conclude a series that we've called Overflowing Hope. For many months, hope has been the word on my lips. Hope has been the prayer on my heart. And it's because we need it so desperately. Hope inspires us to get out of bed in the morning. Hope empowers us to put one foot in front of the other in spite of the headwinds. Hope uh, drives us to pursue our passions, to chase our dreams. And hope is contagious. We can catch hope from the people around us. We can spread hope to people who need it most. So today, we're going to get really practical about hope. We're, we're going to ground hope in our everyday lives. And to do that, I want to take you to a psalm. We're going to look at a song. It's in Psalm 130. But we're going to sing our way through this psalm. So the band's going to stay on stage with me today. In fact, you'll hear more from them than from me. And hopefully the songs that we'll sing together will help us work through the psalm both individually and as a community. See, you see, Psalm 130 is a song for people who are waiting. Think about it. Hope, by definition, involves waiting. In fact, the same Hebrew words in the Old Testament we translate hope are often translated wait. And both English words help us understand what's asked of us. You see, the kind of waiting prescribed in the Bible is not the kind of waiting that involves twiddling your thumbs until fate determines your future. No, but as we come to the end of this series, I do want to offer an observation. Not all of us are waiting right. You think you're waiting right? You see, Psalm 130 is a song for anybody who's waiting on God to speak, to move, to act, to heal. Do you find yourself in God's waiting room this morning? Maybe you're stuck in a season of waiting right now. Maybe you're stuck in God's waiting room looking for a job with no success. Maybe you're waiting for God to heal your body, but it hasn't happened. Maybe you're begging God to heal your marriage, but the arguments are getting louder and the distance is growing greater. What makes matters worse is, while you've sat in God's waiting room, you've seen others get their turn. They arrived long after you did, and they were seen, they were treated, they were healed, but you're still waiting. Now, if you find yourself feeling miserable and abandoned in God's waiting room today, I've got a principle I want to teach you. Now, of course, it may annoy you at first, because you probably don't want to learn anything in the waiting room. You just want to get out of the waiting room and get on with your life, right? I want that for you too. But that's in God's timing. And today, I want to give you something you can do in the waiting room that'll make the time go by faster. And give you a heck of a lot more comfort than the dog-eared copy of People magazine from last February left on the waiting room table. My friends, when you find yourself in God's waiting room, a lot of people will ask you, how are you feeling? And that's a good question, right? In fact, in many ways, it's the right question. Because our feelings are are, are the primary way we interface with life and reality. It's our feelings that often determine our will, what we're going to do. That's one reason it's important for us to feel our feelings and understand them. But while it's true that our feelings have a remarkable influence over our will... The fact of the matter is, our thoughts have a remarkable influence over our feelings. So, today I want to ask you a different question. One I've adopted from my mentor from a distance, Dallas Willard. Now, it's not a question I'd ask someone right out of the gate in the waiting room. No, I'm not sure they'd be ready for it right away. But, But eventually, after feelings are felt after I've come alongside them in their fear and their frustration, I would ask them a different question, one that I'd ask you today. Rather than, 
How are you feeling? I'm going to ask you, how are you thinking? Try it on for yourself. If you find yourself in God's waiting room this morning, ask yourself that question. How are you thinking? Here's why the question matters. It's because how you think shapes how you wait. How you think shapes how you wait. Now, in this message, I'm going to get pretty specific about where we should direct our thoughts. But before I do, I'm going to start with one of the dumbest places we point our thoughts. Worry. We stew and we stress about our problems thinking that's helping. But it's not helping. Anne Voskamp sums up reality succinctly when she writes, worry is merely the illusion of taking action. When really, prayer is. You see, that's right where Psalm 130 begins. It opens with this plea in verse 1. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. The depths refers to the ocean. In ancient Israel, the sea was respected for its wonder and its majesty, but it was a feared, but, but it was feared as a dark, threatening force. The Jews of that day were not seafarers, so to them, the sea represented chaos. The, the psalmist is crying out to God from the depths of an ocean of trouble. He's struggling to stay afloat. He's gasping for air. He's drowning. Maybe you feel like you're drowning today. Maybe you're drowning in responsibility. Everybody wants a piece of you. Everybody's disappointing with you. Are you drowning in the expectations of everybody around you? Maybe you're drowning in loneliness. You feel like nobody cares about you. You wonder if you should add God to that list now. Maybe you're drowning in depression. You can't seem to keep your head above water. Every time you you get a grip on something that'll keep you afloat, you end up just pulling it right down with you into the depths. Oh, actually, maybe you don't need an explanation of what our songwriter faces because you get it. You get it. Look back at verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Now in his repeated plea, we hear his desperation. He's clamoring for God's attention. Does the psalmist doubt that God hears him? Probably not. But but his poetry says something about his panic. His situation is dire. The writer needs deliverance. Specifically, he wants God to focus on his cry for mercy. His Hebrew phrase could be translated, his cry for grace. Grace is one of the most important words in the Bible. It refers to unmerited favor. It's something given free of charge. Dr. Willard offered my favorite definition of the word. I've shared it with you a lot over the years. He said, grace is God acting in your life to accomplish what you cannot. Maybe you need God to do something in your life that you can't do for yourself. Do any of you feel powerless today? Maybe your teenager won't listen to reason and you feel helpless. Maybe you've been sinking into that pit of depression and every time you think you're making progress, climbing out, you slide right back down the slippery sides of the slimy walls. Now, though though it's subtle in the opening verses, it becomes clearer throughout the psalm. Psalm 130 is about learning to wait well. And Psalm 130 is about comprehending and contemplating the character of God while you wait. Now, the, the, the reason the songwriter opens his song with a desperate prayer is because he believes God hears desperate prayers. He believes God is good. He believes God is loving. He believes God is working even when it doesn't seem like he's working. See, the songwriter is telling us how to wait well because he knows how you think about God shapes how you wait for him. Now, the band is going to share a song with you about who God is. The the lyrics get our focus on God's character and away from our problems. So I want to invite you to stand with me. Now, here's what I want you to do. Even if you're not quite sure, you, you want to give up on your practice of worry for just a minute. Will you take a break from it? 
Give your mind a rest and think about God. Open your heart to God as we teach you a new song. Song says, Able, you're more than able. Ain't no problem that's too hard for a strong and mighty God. But you are able. You're more than able. Time and time again you prove I can always count on you. Let's try. You are able. You're more than able. Ain't no problem that's too hard for a strong and mighty God. Yes, you are able. You're more than able. Time and time, time and time again you prove I can always count on you. Yes, you are faithful. Yeah. You're more than faithful. A sweeter love that never stops. It will finish what it starts. Yes, you are faithful. You're more than faithful. And when I don't understand, and when I don't understand, I still leave it in your hand. Cause I am thankful. Yes, I am thankful for your never, for your never ending grace. Brand new mercies every day. Yes, I am thankful. Anybody thankful in the room? Come on. Yes, I am thankful. Yeah, there's many victories. What you've done. Many victories you've won. One more time. And I am thankful. Yes, Lord. I am thankful for your never ending grace. For your never ending grace. Brand new mercies every day. Yes, I am thankful. I am thankful. I'm in awe of what you've done. I'm in awe of what you've done. Many victories you've won. seated. Now, in the opening verses of Psalm 130, we aren't given any details about the writer's dilemma, but but the remainder of the song gives us a few clues. You see, when you study the psalm carefully, we you discover hints that the woes of the psalmist are woes of his own making. Okay, I don't know if this is true for you, But I'll confess, many of my messes are messes I've made myself. Think about it. So often, you're just paying the price for your poor choices, your biting criticism, your self-centered actions, your sinful indulgence. See, as our songwriter pens lyrics about, about his life coming unraveled, we discover he's the one that started to pull the string in the first place. But as he cries out for God's grace, he reminds himself and us something significant about God's character. You see, God doesn't help people who deserve his help. He helps people who need his help. Look at verse 3. If you, Lord, kept a record of sin, Lord, who could stand? (laughs) The, The verb here translated kept a record is the Hebrew word shamar. It means to keep, to watch, to pay close attention to something. Throughout the Psalms, we, we read, God keeps you, God watches you, God's got you. And I'm telling you, it's a great thing for God to pay close attention to you. As long as he doesn't pay close attention to your sin. Trust me, you don't want God to pay close attention to your sin. Though, though a lot of us think he does. A survey conducted by Baylor University found that nearly half 
of Christians in America describe God primarily as fault-finding and judgmental. So you better watch out and you better not pout, people. <laughs> now look, maybe, maybe you've grown up thinking of God that way. And hear me, the scriptures are clear. We need to consider both the kindness and the sternness of God. Like any good parent, God is a God of discipline. He's a God of justice. But the fact of the matter is, if it weren't for God's immense kindness, none of us would have a prayer. As the psalmist sinks into the depths of a despair, he probably deserves. He calls out to a God he knows keeps him without keeping close record of his sins. And here's why. Verse 4. But with you, there is forgiveness. Now, there's actually, this is actually a curious way to make his point. Because our writer could have said, God is forgiving. But here he uses poetic imagery to describe forgiveness as God's possession, or more lyrically, his companion. Forgiveness is always right there with God, like a close friend. Think about it. Your good friends influence you, don't they? The people closest to you have have the greatest impact on your attitudes and your actions as they speak into your life, right? Now, consider the metaphor of the psalm. It's just a metaphor, but it's a metaphor with meaning. Who's God's close companion? Judgment? Anger? Retribution? No. Forgiveness. Now, you need to know that. If you've been kicking yourself for your stupidity or being kicked for your stupidity, hear me, my friend. If you've turned from your sin and you're still being kicked, then it's probably not God doing the kicking because with God, there's forgiveness. But but perhaps you're wondering, couldn't God's forgiveness have the negative effect of enabling us? Does his kindness simply serve to let us off the hook so we can go out and sin again tomorrow? No, our songwriter explains, but with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Now, the New International Version from which I just read offers a fine translation to to capture the meaning of the verb. God forgives us so we can serve him with reverence. Yes. But, But the Hebrew word is actually a little more blunt. You could see it in the English Standard Version. But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Now, the Hebrew word for fear is the word Yahweh. It has a broad semantic range. It can mean terror. It can mean worship. It can mean respect or reverence. No, no single English word captures every nuance. So we've got to pay close attention to the context to determine its meaning in the verse. Well, Psalm 130 just told us when people recognize how forgiving God is they'll fear him. But if fear meant horror, the opposite would be true, wouldn't it? See, to to fear the Lord doesn't mean we should cower in fear. It isn't a terror that repels us from him. It's a reverence and a respect that draws us closer to him. Perhaps the best English word for it is awe, living in awe of the infinite God. Here's the point. When we understand God's forgiving nature, truly comprehend the depths of his mercy we can't help but respond with holy awe and wonder now you might question the logic behind it wondering if some might take advantage of God's grace distrusting that, that God's plan actually works but understand forgiveness from God is personally experienced the more I get to know him the more I come to grasp his love and mercy The last thing I want to do is disappoint him. See, I fear him, and I don't fear him. It's paradoxical, I know. But most of us have been singing about it for years. Does this sound familiar? T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. I think of my role as daddy. Some dads use anger and intimidation to cause their kids to respect them and obey them. But God uses grace. Did you know that about him? Here's why that's so important today. How you think about God shapes how you wait for him. 
Now, my friend, if you find yourself in a hole that you've dug for yourself, you may be reluctant to ask God to help pull you out because you don't think you deserve help. Well, you don't. But that doesn't matter to God because he's astonishingly forgiving. Maybe you wonder if your your waiting is God's payback. Maybe you think he's making you wait to punish you. Maybe you think you've been hoisted on your own petard and God's not going to tell you. God's not going to help you. You know that expression, hoisted on your own petard? You can ask Bill Shakespeare to explain it, okay, people? Or an especially literate FBI SWAT team member. Here's the point. Yes, there are consequences to your actions, but God is not a God who will shame you and rub your nose in your mess because he's shockingly forgiving. Now, I need a little help from you here. How many of you have experienced God's mercy and God's forgiveness like I've described? Raise your hand for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Okay, keep your hand up for just a second. Everybody look, everybody look. Need a witness for testimony here. Okay, you can put your hands down. Friends, if you're shaming yourself because of your addiction and its consequences, would you take our word for it and trust God's mercy? If you're wallowing in regret over your divorce and the subsequent fallout, then take our word for it. Trust God's mercy. Now, we're going to sing another song. But, but this time I want you to stay seated. Uh, it'll be a new song for some of you. And I'd love for you to sing it. But I especially want you to receive it. This is my testimony to you. This is Tim's testimony to you. Open your mind to God in a new way as we share this song with you. All right, can you um, can you guys do me one quick favor? Um, look at somebody next to you and just say, neighbor, I am a recipient of the mercy of God. Yeah. Are there any grateful people in the building that are recipients of the mercy of God? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing about it. Song says... I'm living proof of what the mercy of God can do. If you knew me then, you'd believe me now. Turn my whole life upside down. Took the old and made it new. That's just what the mercy of God can do. So I'm alive to tell the story of how I have overcome. It's his goodness and mercy and the power of his blood. And I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done but the goodness and mercy and the power of the blood thank you Jesus says all that I deserve to be six feet beneath the earth for all the things I've done the things I've said the choices made that I regret oh I would still be lost but for the mercy of God. So now I'm alive and tell the story of how I've overcome. It's His goodness and mercy 
and the power of His blood. And I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. What is it, church? It's goodness and mercy. Yes, Lord. And the power of His blood. It's the goodness and mercy. And the power of His blood. Oh, yeah. There's so much power in the blood. Anybody grateful this morning? Yes, we are. Come on, we're going to get to it tonight. It says, was the cross meant for me? Yeah. Where my Savior carried, now I've been made free by the mercy of God. And was the grave meant for me? Where my sin lay buried, now I've yeah. been redeemed. By the mercy of God. Let's go. Was the cross meant for me that my Savior carried? Now I've been made free by the mercy of God. Was the cross meant for me when my sin made me Now I've been by the mercy of God. Yeah. Now I'm alive to tell the story how I've overcome this and mercy and the power of His blood. I know I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. Hallelujah. This is goodness and mercy the blood it says his and mercy and the power of his blood it's goodness and mercy and the power of the blood and oh precious is that flow that makes me White as snow, no other fountain knows nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thanks for that, Tim. You got another one in you? Nope. I'm sorry. You don't apologize for that. Mercy. Friends, now in the, in the middle of the psalm, we come to the matter at hand, waiting. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. Now I want to talk to you about the word wait. There are several Hebrew words for wait in the Bible. Two of them appear in this verse here signified by the English word waits, and that phrase put my hope. Remember, when these Hebrew words are translated into English, scholars use the words wait and hope interchangeably. Both English words are correct, but neither word fully captures the intended meaning on its own. The Hebrew idea of waiting conveys an eager expectation of God's action. Looking, longing, seeking, maybe seeking in desperation, but always seeking in hope. That's waiting. Now, I want you to see something clearly. This is essential. The object of our hope isn't a good result. The object of our hope is a good God. That's why what you believe about God matters. You see, how you think shapes how you wait. See, see, if you want to wait right, you got to think right. Instead of merely waiting for a good result... What might it look like for you to wait on a good God instead? I think John Ortberg offers sound insight on the matter when he says, waiting means that we give God the benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing. Now, do you see this has something to say about how you think? What if right now as you wait for God, you gave him the benefit of the doubt? 
What if you made a deliberate and persistent decision to trust his timing, to trust he knows what he's doing? Ortberg reminds us, what God does in us while we wait is as important as what it is we're waiting for. Now, I'm going to read that again. What God does in us while we wait is as important as what it is we're waiting for. See, waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. Will you trust Him with that? Now look, I I don't know why God's got you in the waiting room. There may be a clear reason. More likely there are five or six reasons. You'll eventually discern a few of them. But in the meantime, know this. C.S. Lewis maintained, God keeps no one waiting unless he sees it is good for him to wait. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Friends, I've said to you again and again, and I won't stop. Trust God's character, not particular outcomes. Look where the songwriter puts his hope. Directly in God and his promise. That God promised you'll never have problems? <laughs> Absolutely not. In John 16, Jesus promises problems. But he also promises his victorious presence. And we need to take heart in him, not in an outcome from him. See, it's one thing to trust God to answer your prayers. It's another thing to trust God to answer your prayers however he thinks best. Think about it. When we, when we see someone who believes God will do exactly what they want, some of us say, oh, that guy's got great faith. But, but which faith is greater? A faith that trusts God to do what they want or a faith that trusts God even when he doesn't? Is the this, is this psalmist waiting on an outcome? No, he's waiting on the Lord. Verse 6, I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Think of a couple guards positioned in a watchtower at night, peering over the dark landscape, mindful of any movement, attuned to any sound. The, The guards are weary. Seconds feel like eternities. I I love that echoed line. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Again, the the repetition conveys longing. But it also conveys confidence. The, The watchmen keep watching. Because there's one thing they know. The morning will come. On that point, they are absolutely certain. The the watchmen know there's nothing their enemies can do to stop the sunrise. Now, what if you had that kind of confidence in God? Again, not not a confidence in an outcome from God, but a confidence in God and His character. Why can't we just trust Him? Friends, why do we get so surprised when God does something awesome through our pain? Why are we shocked when God does something absolutely incredible in healing through our grief? Why can't we just start to expect the unexpected from him, huh? Years ago, when my daughter Alyssa was training to be a gymnast, I installed a pull-up bar in one of our doorways so she could increase her upper body strength. After I mount it, I wanted to test it with my weight to see if it holds up. So I did a pull-up or two. Alyssa watched me with mouth agape. Dad, you can do a pull-up? She goes to get her sister, Morgan. You won't believe this. Dad can do a pull-up. They were impressed, but I was offended. Suze walks in. The twins exclaim, Mom, Dad can do a pull-up. She responds, Really? Come on, people. Yeah, I can do a pull-up. And God can do a miracle. Now, I don't know if he will in your circumstances. I hope he does. But like, but like the songwriter, I'm going to ask him to. And I'm going to trust his goodness and his greatness.
I want us to sing another song. It's called Wait on You. I pray it, it inspires you to put your hope in Him. Please stand. Join your hearts with our band. don't believe in fairy tales I guess I've outgrown them but that doesn't mean that I don't believe that there's something bigger than me cause I've seen it in the hospital room when the doctor said sorry there's nothing more we can do well it wasn't true I've never seen no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow but I got a promise I can hold in the middle of the struggle God if you said it you'll perform it may not be how I want you to but here's what I'll do I'm gonna wait on you yes I'm gonna wait on you Cause I've tasted your goodness I'll trust in your promise I'm gonna wait on you Yes, I'm gonna wait on you All over the building, let's sing it I've tasted your goodness Yeah, man I'll trust in your promise I'm gonna wait on you So together we wait Whoa If you know it, lift your voice. I know you've wondered every step. Yeah, man. You are the author. There's no predicting what is next. You hold the future. And all the questions, they come second to the one I know is true. What's true, church? You've always been true. Yeah, so I'm going to wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. I'm tasting your goodness. I'm trusting your promise. I'm gonna wait on you. Yes, I'm gonna wait on you. I'm tasting your goodness. I'm trusting your promise. I'm gonna wait on you. sing the promise yeah I need everybody let's go wait on the Lord lift your hands and sing it come on wait on the Lord he promised that he would we knew so be patient and wait yeah wait on the Lord you won't be disappointed wait on the hallelujah he will renew your strength he will renew I feel it here. Come on. So wait, I say, wait on the Lord. Yeah, wait on the Lord. He will, he will renew your strength. Yeah. So, so wait, I say, wait on the Lord. I will wait on the Lord. He will renew your strength.
get your soul wait on the church he will re come on so we wait on the Lord wait on the Lord cause he will renew your strength so wait I say I'm gonna wait on you come on I'm gonna why cause I've tasted your Hallelujah. Come on. I trust in your promise. I'm going to wait on you. When it gets hard, I will. I'm going to. Yeah. I've tasted your goodness. I've tasted it all. Yeah. I trust in your promise. I'm going to wait on you. You can be seated. Okay, I want to read the rest of the psalm. The psalm concludes with the writer turning to the reader. Even though he sinned, he looks to his listener and he makes this pitch. Here it is, verse 7. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Now, using the same metaphor, the psalmist tells us that God has a couple other companions worth noting. First, unfailing love. That's the word chesed that we looked at last week. We saw it's loaded with meaning. In English, we translate it with the words grace, loyalty, loving kindness, faithfulness, goodness, steadfast love. It's the unceasing love of God. The psalmist tells us God is also attended by full redemption. Redemption is about deliverance. And in the immediate context of this psalm, it's about how God redeems us, not just from problems, but problems we created ourselves, our sin. Verse 7 here functions as a testimony. The, the, the songwriter's pleading with us. He, he, he wants his readers to find what he's found and learn what he's learned. The, the last verse of the psalm spells it out plainly, especially to those of us who are drowning in a sea we went swimming in. Here's what he says in verse 8. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. That abundant redemption is bigger than all the sin of all God's people. In Romans 5, the apostle Paul says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And friends, look how God is personally involved. The phrase is emphatic in Hebrew. It says God himself will redeem his people from their sins. Now this means even more to those of us who know the rest of God's story in the Bible. Friends, this is the story of Christmas. How God loved us so much that he came himself to walk among us and teach us and redeem us. That is Jesus and that's his grace. So I'm going to ask for your grace as I ask you to stand one more time with me. Hey, friends, this is Stand Up, Sit Down Church. Some of you grew up in this. I'm just bringing back the mems, okay? See, our, our, our songwriter is trying to get us to think about what we're thinking about, especially about God, because he knows what you think shapes how you wait. Now, I don't know what keeps you waiting right now. Maybe you're flat broke, and you're waiting on God to provide. Maybe your son or, or your daughter is running from you and running from God, and you're waiting for them to stop running. Maybe you're waiting on a loved one to come clean or get clean. Maybe you're waiting for your life to catch up with your intentions because you're sick and tired of the grief you cause the people you love. You're sick and tired of how your sharp tongue or your selfish ambition wounds family and friends. And friends, if that's you, then I want you to receive the, the, the words of this next song. It's another song that puts our focus squarely on the God who comes to us with his unceasing love and his complete deliverance. Friends, I, I pray it helps you rethink how you think about him. May you take this song personally today, my friends. Oh, 
When did I start to forget All of the great things you did When did I throw away faith for the impossible And how did I start to believe You weren't sufficient for me Why do I talk myself out of seeing miracle when you do miracle? Cause you are more than able. You are more than able. are more than able you are more than able so who am I to deny what the Lord can do it's easy for you In the one who still does miracles, you do miracles. You are more than able. Is you are. You are more than able. You are more than. Again, 
come a long way And I've seen how you work There's so much goodness and grace Much more than I deserve Cause I know who I am Hallelujah And I can't stay where I'm at Any other witnesses in the building? Yeah, cause we've come this far by faith And I just can't turn back Why? Cause he's not done with me yet. Oh my, my, my He's not done with me yet. There's so much more There's so much more to your story You're not done with me Come on, let's go you're not, not done, done with, with me, yeah, oh, you're not, not done, done with me, yeah, yeah, there's so much more to the story, you're not done with me, you're not done with me, yeah. if you believe that, sing it, come on, you're not done with me, yeah. There's so much more. Come on. There's so much more to your story. I'm believing for you. You're not done with me. One more time. Because you're not done with me yet. You're not done with me yet. Your ladder will be greater. There's so much more to the story. Because you're not done with me yet. So who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Can you just clap your hands if you believe that he can do anything? Okay, stay standing. Like I could get you to sit down. Good night. Okay, look, look what have we said throughout this, this message? How you think shapes how you wait now if my friends however you find yourself right now in a season of waiting and things aren't going your well not going your way have you noticed your fuse is shorter have you noticed you're more easily frustrated have you found yourself blaming others and grumbling about all the incompetent idiots around you well, if so, my friend, I don't think you've been waiting, right? Look, here's an observation of my soul. If I'm grumbling, I'm not waiting right. If I'm fearful or frustrated, I'm not waiting right. Well, when I'm not waiting right, I'm not as fun to be around. And Tim, I'm not as fun to be around. And I can do a pull-up, Tim. way too much laughter out here I don't know how I feel about that look, look people who wait right are a joy even in the waiting room when you find somebody like that you walk into their waiting room with every intention to minister to them but they end up ministering to you what's that about that's the kind of guy I want to be but when you're waiting wrong you take it out on the people around you. When you're waiting wrong, your fear and frustration magnifies the flaws and the foibles of others. When you're waiting wrong and people disappoint you, you respond with graceless impatience that makes others fearful and frustrated and then just perpetuates the problems and the pain and the problems and the pain. My friends, there's another way to wait. There's another way. The prophet Isaiah talks about it. Isaiah 40, verse 31, we just sang about it. Those who hope in or wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar in wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Friends, this means we find strength by waiting on the Lord. Problem. More often than not, I find I have to pray for strength in order to wait. And when I do that, that's a sign I'm probably not waiting right. Look, 
today before we leave this building I just I want to give us an opportunity to just get started with a different kind of waiting and we want to share one more song with you um, oh I love this song it's a song I, I I had on repeat for most of the fall um, a simple song simple prayer I wonder if you can make it your prayer today as you direct your mind on a good God who loves you fiercely and is more than able. Open your heart to God even now. just won't be done so Lord do it for me Say, Lord, fix it for me. Let's do it. Say, Lord, fix it for me. Really simple. Sing it. Oh, Lord, please fix it for me. Because, Lord, I have a problem that only you can solve. For me, one more time, church. Lord, fix it for me. We sing, Lord, fix it for me. Yeah. Sing it. Oh, Lord, fix it for me. Yeah. He's a God who can fix it. Yeah, because Lord, I have a Okay, um, I'm going to do things a little differently. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God in a more tangible way. A, a way that embodies on the outside what you're doing and what you're saying on the inside. And, and I'm going to be honest, it might stretch some of you. Um, a lot of us are waiting on God for something. We're, we're hoping in God for something. And, and if that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come and just stand right here in the front with me. No, nobody's going to pray for you. We're just going to stand together and wait for God together and sing this song as a prayer again. Now, look, I said, I, I know it's going to stretch some of you. Maybe you grew up Presbyterian and this is just weird. Okay? And you don't have to do this, okay? You're welcome to stay right where you are, Okay? But, but think about it. Maybe, maybe you need to do something that makes you a little uncomfortable so that you can find comfort. Maybe you need to do something that you don't feel like doing so you can feel differently. And for those who do, we're going to stand here together. I don't think anybody should wait alone. Maybe you want to step out 
with someone else. Maybe you want to step out for someone else. Look, I know you're watching online and, and I wish you could be here in person to do this with us. Maybe here's how you respond. Maybe you just get really close to your TV as you're watching at home, okay? I don't know. What does this look like for you? Um, I'm going to invite you to come down in a second. I'm just kidding. A lot of people are already here. And crowd your way up. People are going to come in behind you. Come on close. Come on close. Look. Let's ask him for a miracle together. Will you do that? Open your heart to God and sing it again for us, Tim. We sing. Lord, do it for me. Oh, Lord, do it for me. Do it for me. Lord, if you don't do it. Lord, if you don't do it, it just won't be done. So, Lord, do it for me. Do it for me. Stretch your hand and say, Lord, fix it for me. We sing, Lord, Lord, fix it for me. Because we believe you can, Lord, fix it for me. Fix it for me. Be vulnerable and say, Lord, I have a problem. We sing, Lord, I have a problem. Yeah. That only you can solve. So, Lord, fix it for me. Fix it for me. I just want to hear you. Lord, we sing, Lord, do it for me. Do it for me. Oh, Lord, yeah, do it for me. Lord, if you don't do it, we sing. Lord, if you don't do it, it just won't be done. Oh, Lord, do it for me. Lord, I... I pray for my friends who are weary from waiting. I pray for my friends who are worn out as their their problems keep sucking the life out of them. Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would give them strength. Strength from within. Strengthen their hearts, Lord. Give them strength that surprises them when they respond in faith, even in the midst of uncertainty and confusion. Give them a strength that empowers them because they, as they naturally respond with love and joy no matter what life throws at them, no matter what people throw at them. Give them that kind of strength. Lord, I pray you open all of our eyes to see your love. Maybe you see it in a new way. Maybe, maybe grasp it at a deeper level. Open our eyes to see how much you care about big things, little things, small things, all things. You care about broken people and hurting people and stubborn people and people keep putting their foot in their mouth. Lord, I pray also for our friends who are here today or watching online who who, who wouldn't call themselves a Christian. They wouldn't call themselves a follower of Jesus, but they they came to church or they, they tuned in wondering, seeking, maybe even hoping. Lord, I know everybody has their own story. But here's my prayer. May their eyes be opened to see your unceasing love for them. May, and Lord, I pray they know that love. Not, not intellectually understand that love, but truly experience it even now, even in this moment. The chances are high they've doubted that love. Maybe, maybe because of something they've done. Maybe because of something that was done to them. But they doubted your love. Lord, I pray in this moment they feel the gentle squeeze of your hand telling them that you love them very, very much. Oh Lord, I, I, I pray for those in the room and those online who do know you.
but haven't been paying attention to your love or maybe they think you're not paying attention to them maybe they've mistaken your sovereignty for apathy well I pray today was an experience in which you've inspired them to think a little differently so they can wait a little differently waiting on you that's our prayer tonight today that's our prayer and we pray it in the name of the King Jesus who came when he's coming again amen you can stay right here friends I'm going to keep this simple a little homework for you here's your first assignment it's simple you got to go download that song we just sang okay it's by Zacardi Cortez um, Lord do it for me put it on repeat in your ear like I have see what God does for you what he, what he does in your heart okay friends here, here's a, a verse for the week Isaiah 40 verse 31 I just read it a moment ago I won't read it again but, but take this image that we've created Put it on your phone, put it on your desktop, commit it to memory, pray through it, see what God does in your life. That image and the graphic that follows are available to download on our website. And, and friends, whatever you do, please don't miss out on one of our Christmas Eve gatherings, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., and 4 p.m. here in Salt Lake and 6 p.m. in Park City. And my word, would you do me a favor? Invite someone to join you. Save them a seat. Bring them with you. We're, we're going to... We're going to have a lot of fun this... Uh, should, I, should I tell them what we're doing? Oh, I don't know. Look, it's been something I've been wanting to do for many years. And I've just... It never felt right until this year. And what we're going to talk about... Uh, the working title of, of what we're going to do is what we're calling a Psalm 23 Christmas. And and uh, uh, you, you don't want to miss this in, incredible music that our band's going to bring. So, so bring somebody with you uh, on Christmas Eve. And don't you dare forget about our worship night either on New Year's Eve, okay? If you'd like to receive prayer, there will eventually be people here at the front to pray for you. Give them a few moments as we kind of filter back out um, and, and invite them to pray. And, and whether you're in the room or you're joining us online, you can always send us an email, care at capitalchurch.com, um, because we, we'd love to pray over your needs. This is my prayer for all of you, friends. May, may you wait on the Lord and may you find renewed strength so that you can soar on wings like eagles, run without growing weary, walk without growing faint. Thanks for coming to church today. Grace and peace.